Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Elaine. On first reading, it sounds like quite a negative sort of passage, doesn't it? And you're probably thinking, why on earth has Tom picked that one for a baptism Sunday? But it's actually just a reading for the first Sunday of Advent. And I would like to take you with me on a journey through that passage to show that actually it is a passage all about the hope that we can have in Jesus. So let's pray and we're going to think about that uh, together. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to each one of us now. Open our hearts to you. Help us to have the faith that you are the real God who still speaks through your word and by your spirit, into our hearts and lives. Help us to know and hear that voice which speaks your truth, your grace, into our situations. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's lovely uh, later on that we're going to be um, baptising siblings. I know Emily already has been, so we kind of complete the set today, which is great. Uh, and I was uh, lucky enough to grow up uh, with a brother. Um, I know as well, not everyone does have the blessing, I say blessing, it's normally a blessing, of, of uh, brother or sister. My dad uh, was an only child, and Emily's mum, my wife's mum, uh, is also an only child. So we know what that's like as well, but most of the time it feels like a blessing, and I'm very grateful that, particularly these days as adults, I get on very, very well with my brother. But it wasn't always like that. 
In our teenage years, we got on okay, but like all siblings, really, uh, there were times when uh, we'd fall out, we'd argue over toys or games, uh, and whoever felt like they had been wronged might call in uh, backup. <laughs> mum. Oh, mum. Dave's taken my toy again. He's nicked my super soaker or whatever it was. He splashed me. Wasn't ready. And uh, in those sort of scenarios where there was a bit of uh, sibling rivalry, maybe even a bit of sibling pushing and shoving, whoever felt the most wronged or whoever felt like they perhaps had been a bit outmaneuvered would be the first one to call in uh, the equivalent of the uh, UN peacekeepers. It never got so bad that my mum had to wear the full uh, battlefield armour, but... um, That's normally what happened. I wonder if you've uh, had similar situations yourselves uh, growing up. And um, I'm going to come back to that. I'm not just telling you that story randomly because we've got brother and sister. I'm going to come back to that as we look through this passage in Isaiah. Because the prophet Isaiah is calling in God's help. He says at the start of this chapter, Lord, oh, that you would rend the heavens, bring the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. Isaiah looks out over the situation facing God's people, surrounded by uh, people that would do them harm, and he calls to God to come down. God, would you rend the heavens, bring the power of heaven, and come and fix this situation for us, that the mountains would tremble before you. He calls to mind times in their past, in Israel's past, where God had come and done awesome things. Perhaps he had in mind the story of the exodus from Egypt, where God came in power to rescue his people and eventually lead them to the promised land. And you can think of some of the extraordinary sights that they saw, which would remind them of heaven's power, the, the great fiery column that led them through, or the parting of the Red Sea, which enabled them to make their way across and to leave behind those Egyptians who were chasing them. So Isaiah calls these things to mind and he calls in the backup. He goes right to the top and he says, Lord, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Like a a sibling appealing to their father. A people appealing to God to say, God, please, would you come and sort this out? We know that you come to those, the help of those who gladly do right, he says in verse 5. God, come and help me. Come and save us. But then he has a little wobble. Something comes to his mind and he realises that actually calling down God to deal with those who are doing wrong might have unintended consequences. He goes on in verse 6 to say, all of us have become like one who is unclean. He suddenly realises that actually calling down the might of heaven to deal with those people who have wandered away from God and gone off to do their own thing and cause problems and cause hurt and violence, actually he can't see any difference for himself and his own people. He realises that actually they're just as likely to have to stand before this holy God and acknowledge that they too have been part of the problem. I'd call my mum. Mum! Come help me! Dave's hitting me again. Who hit him first, Tom? Ah. 
rarely, I might even go as far as to say never, was I not also part of the problem. Although I could see everything that my brother was doing wrong, and quickly call in my mum to come and sort him out, actually when she did come and say, right, well, what's been going on here? It turns out that both of us have contributed to the situation. We've both been unhelpful, we've both been unkind, we may both have started a bit of pushing and shoving or stealing of toys or whatever it was. Neither of us could say, I'm innocent of that. And Isaiah has the same realisation partway through this call to God. God, rend the heavens and come down. You, you come and act for the good of those who always do right. Oh, hang on a minute. That probably doesn't include us either. And he goes on. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. No one calls on God. You've hidden your face from us and we're wasting away because of our sins. He realises that in calling down a holy and perfect God to, to bring the might of heaven to deal with what's wrong in the world, actually that includes the things that they themselves have contributed to the problem. Just like me and my brother in front of my mum. So where does he go from there? What help is a holy God to people who've turned their back on him? Why should God come and work for the good of those who actually they themselves have been a big part of the problem? It wasn't just that they were surrounded by uh, people that would do them harm. They themselves had got caught up in all sorts of terrible things. They turned away from God. They turned away from his commandments. They'd stopped loving him. They'd stopped loving one another. They'd added to the problem. So what good is it to have a holy God, a perfect and pure and mighty God, if you yourself also have this issue which means that God needs to deal with us too? Well, thankfully, Isaiah's God is the same God that we can know, and he's a God of grace. He's a God of transformation. He's a God whose power is able to come into a situation and even into a human heart and turn things around. So Isaiah goes on in verse 8, having realized the problem that he's just created for himself, yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look upon us, we pray, for we are all your people. He starts by calling down God's power on those who are doing wrong, causing problems in the world. He then realizes that he and the rest of God's people are actually still part of the problem. But then he remembers that their God is a God who is gracious and merciful and loving. He's a God who, when he sees the world going wrong, doesn't destroy it and start again, but who works with what he's made to fashion out of people hearts and lives that do love him and do love their neighbours. We are the clay, you are the potter. God, I believe Isaiah says that you can come and change us. Yes, we've got things wrong. Yes, we've messed things up. Yes, look around the world. But God, you can come and transform us by changing us. We are the work of your hands. God, I believe you're not going to destroy us, but you're going to work to make us something better, 
something more glorious, something which brings honour to your name. We are the clay and you are the potter, Isaiah says. So what about us? So we read this reflection of a prophet from thousands of years ago, thousands of miles away from us. What relevance does this have? Why is this the church's set reading for four Sundays before Christmas? Well, the answer, as it so often is, is Jesus. I mean, it's usually a good place to start if you get asked a question in church or Sunday school. You know the joke about the kid, they're doing a a week on God's creation, and uh, the Sunday school teacher says, what's grey eats nuts and lives in trees? The kid puts his hand up and says, uh, well, I mean, I know the answer is Jesus, but it really sounds like a squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) But in this case, the answer really is Jesus. The hope really is Jesus. And you can see that in the way that Isaiah, even though he's writing 700 or so years before Jesus came, actually points forward to what Jesus himself had come to do. God, would you come down, Isaiah says. Would you come to us? Come from heaven. Come to us. We've got a problem. We can't sort it out. And then 700 or so years later, God himself comes to earth in the person of Jesus to sort out the mess that we as humanity had got ourselves into. God answers the prayer. He comes with the power of heaven. But not in might, not on a chariot, Not with blazing weapons, he comes in love and grace. He comes as one of us. And where we, like Isaiah and like his people, could not live that perfect life, that none of us could hand on heart say that we are ones, as he's looking for, who gladly do right. We know we try and we do some good things, but we never get it perfect. And yet this Jesus who came down, God who came to earth, he did gladly do right. He lived the perfect life. He lived a life in full obedience to God the Father, even to the point of death, where he chose to go to the cross to pay the price for the things that we had got wrong. The only person who never disobeyed God went and paid the price for all of those who have. He came down from heaven and he dealt with our mess. He paid the price for us. And the story doesn't end there. You see, once you come to Jesus and ask him to forgive you your sins, once you give you that that turning to him and say, Lord, I realize that actually I don't leave the perfect life, that I have turned away from you, that sometimes I, I, I don't even acknowledge you exist. But actually when we do that and the Holy Spirit comes and convicts our heart and says, yes, there is a God who made us and loved us. Well, then we receive this gift like the potter and the clay. He doesn't only forgive us our sins, But he gets to work in our hearts. He sends his Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out that gradually we become more and more the people that he's called us to be. And he does it not so that we feel great about ourselves and look down on others, but so that we can point others to Jesus to say, God has come down. It's the message of Christmas. God has come down from heaven to sort out the mess that we've got ourselves into. He'll pay the price for the things that we've done wrong. And if we ask him to, he'll forgive us, come into our hearts and our lives 
and like the potter with the clay, begin to shape and mold us more and more to be the people that we've actually been created to be. To live a life of joy and freedom and happiness that God designed for us. Not because suddenly everything goes perfect, but because we know that we're back in the right place with God. We have him with us now and we'll be with him forever and ever. God came down, paid the price, and now offers to be at work like the potter with the clay. It's actually a story of Christmas hope, Christmas joy, Christmas love, Christmas grace, and the promise not only of sins forgiven, but of life with God now and forevermore. It's a prayer that we're praying for Anna, for Alexander, but not only for them today, for us all. If you've never really ever opened your heart up to the possibility that God really is there, that he really did come down, that he really did want to save you and bring you back to him and be at work to change your life, well, there's no better time to start than today in opening up your heart and saying, God, I know I need you too. I know I need you to help me with the mess and to celebrate the good. I know I need that relationship restored back with you and to, for you to be at work in my life like the potter with the clay. So I'm going to say a prayer now and I would invite you to pray with me. Whether you've done this before or not, pray this prayer with me. And after the service, if, you've never, if you're praying this prayer and you've never prayed it before, please come and pray with our prayer team after the service. Let's pray together. Let's talk to the Lord. Jesus, thank you that you chose to come down from heaven to sort out the mess that we had got ourselves into. The sin in our hearts, the division in our world, the brokenness of our relationships with you, with one another and this planet that you've made. Thank you, Lord, that you came to do that and that you paid the price. We don't have to earn it. We cannot earn it. But we need to receive it through faith. Lord, you send your Holy Spirit and open our hearts to the truth of the God who came down in heaven's glory, laying it aside to meet us in heaven's grace. Father, I want to open my heart to you to know that forgiveness, to know Jesus with me, to know you at work like the potter with the clay. Father, would you give me the gift of that faith, that hope and that joy today? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.